You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Three Mall. Well, welcome into another edition of Three Ma. I am John Kurtz, joined by Derek Young and Cole Manbeck, as always, here on the show. And we will be breaking down a shutout season opening victory for the Wildcats over SEMO. No problems at all. Case did up 35 to nothing at halftime, and they roll from there. And that means that uh, we'll spend the next probably hour and a half talking about Avery Johnson. So get ready for it here on uh, the Three Ma podcast, which, of course, is brought to you by our friends at Holiday Distillery. Raise a glass in honor of K-State dropping a season-opening shutout, and make sure it's a glass of 360 Vodka or Ben Holiday Bottled in Bond Bourbon, both courtesy of our friends at Holiday Distillery. They are great K-State folks who support us here on the pod, so make sure you support them as well. Whether you are a bourbon guy, whether you're more into the 360 Vodka, either way, they've got you covered, so go support Holiday Distillery. Um... Everyone's been trying to put the the governor on me with the the Avery talk, including Derek here before we uh, get get the show up and running. But I was just watching, you know, I hop on Twitter. What's the first thing that I see this morning? It was someone putting Avery Johnson highlights to Aerosmith. I don't want to miss a thing in the background. So I'm I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. Dy. Hey, yeah. Hey, we'll we'll dig right into it. I, I don't think there's a, a reason to throttle back excitement because. Uh... He's the future, but that 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 would be my only part of maybe using a governor on this is like it is the future because you do potentially already have the best quarterback in the Big Twelve and Will Howard, so great problems to have. Um, Avery, a few good throws, um, handful of really good runs, so there is a lot of excitement to be had. All all I've done and what's kind of tempered my excitement a little bit is that I know we're still like probably a year away from that. I think we'll see flashes this year from time to time um, when the situation allows. But as I told John before we started the show, and he actually agreed with this, so this is an important item to keep in mind. There's no easy way to play Avery this year because you don't want to pull Will Howard. Cole, your thoughts? I, I mean, Collins out there running halfback passes to to Will Howard uh, in the SEMO game in the season opener. So I have, I have some trust factor that there may be some trick plays that they could incorporate with Avery. Maybe, uh, I think I joked with you guys yesterday, like maybe just line Avery up a wide receiver, have Will chuck it out to him, have him chuck it back to Will, have Will, you know, have Avery take off and run after he catches it or do a double pass. I mean, there's, there's a lot of trick plays in that playbook. I mean, you hate to burn up. I don't even want to bring up redshirt, burning a redshirt, because there's, let's be honest here, we don't expect Avery to be here by year four or five anyways. So, well, especially year five. So I really need to worry about redshirt. You got a guy that's that athletic and toolsy and dynamic. You'll have to probably figure out a way to work him into the fold, at least situationally. And to DY's point, and he's talked about it before on here, it's a complicated factor because you have one of the best quarterbacks in the Big 12 and you don't want to disrupt the flow of the offense too much and have too many quarterback, you know, multiple quarterbacks going on and off the field. So I don't know how they do it, but I have a lot of trust in Colin Klein and this coaching staff to figure out a way to make something work, even if it's just situationally and everything to go well. But to, to D.Y. to what you just said, I think we were on the same page. Like Will Howard completed 70% of his passes, 297 yards, 11.4 yards per pass yesterday. Just took took off right where things left. 
at the end of last season over the back half of the year. And uh, don't want Will to be forgotten about with the Avery buzz and hype because Will was terrific once again. And K-State has one of the best quarterbacks in this league. I, well, he's a grown man. I don't really think he feels forgotten about forgotten about or that he really cares because I think he knows what he just did too. Uh, you know, I have a way to to kind of make it work. Or he's like, how do you do that? You have these quarterbacks coming in and out of the field. I don't do that because I think that is a rhythm disruptor, and you'll get people coming at your coming at your neck if you probably will start to waltz into that territory. Just beat people well enough that you can go into the fourth quarter and bring in the backups. Yeah, well, hey, looks looks like you could probably do that uh, when you play TCU. Uh, Baylor's on the schedule this year, right? Uh, Texas Tech. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I, mean, I'm not, I, I know we shouldn't dig into that too much. I, I will pump the brakes on the Texas Tech stuff. I think they're still going to be fine. Um, TCU and Baylor, I'm not so sure. Yeah, Tech was a weird situational spot in the altitude in Laramie. I don't take a lot from that. In fact, I think Texas Tech's going to come home and beat Oregon and Lubbock this weekend. So I don't take a ton from that. But yeah, I mean, the Baylor and TCU thing, that's a bit of a mess. John, you touched on Avery, so we'll just expand. I mean, pro football focus had him as the highest graded player on K-State's team. In that game, now again, it was fourth quarter, late in the third quarter, fourth quarter, kind of mop-up duty, and it was SEMO. But kind of shows how good Avery was when he was on the football field. And one thing that I think about guys is you start to see Avery hype already take off and, and guys like Dan Rubenstein of the solid verbal talking about him is, and these highlights playing think about like a guy like Joshua Manning who went to Missouri. I mean, think about receiver recruits and guys that are going to be entering the portal in the off season and, and some of the high profile wide receivers that are out there in the recruiting process that you could chase. I mean, guys are going to see those Avery clips and, just reinforce, hey, I, I want to play with a guy like that for the next couple of years in the future. So uh, I think there's a lot of positives to be had with uh, what we saw from Avery. I don't know why I'm going back to it, but like I just thought it was with Texas Tech because they're kind of like the dark horse sleeper, like became a media darling a little bit the way Kansas State did last offseason, right, to potentially win a Big 12, like, at least compete for it. So is Wyoming just their Tulane game? Well, yeah, that, I, I was making that observation on, on YouTube last night. I was like, hey, I mean, look, the season's not done. I, I, I think Texas Tech plus seven is a, is a pretty good bet. That's that's what I was seeing it at yesterday. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think, I think Tech's going to be – I think Tech's going to be okay. But, yes, weird spot for the Big 12. Not a great uh, week overall. I guess to put the, the cap on the Avery discussion, I would just say the other thing that we found out with that is, like, Cole and I were both very surprised that – they didn't at least throw Jake Rubley in for a series in there somewhere because clearly they know just what they have in Avery Johnson on their hands and they know that they need to just get him reps and get him in the game for not only, you know, keeping a guy happy sake, but also just like, hey, this is an incredible talent. You need reps to develop. We need to get him as many reps as possible. So it superseded kind of what I thought would be D.Y. more of like climbing. Be- I mean, he's always really partial to the guys and the guys that stick around and work hard. And like Jake Rubley has, has done that. And yet they still knew like it to me, it was just, it was like a business decision. I had people tweeting me asking me like, what happened to Rubley? And I was like, this is a business decision guys. Like you see what Avery Johnson is when he steps out there on the field. Like they, they realize what they have and you need to start molding this guy with, with game reps as, as much as you possibly can. So that's, that's really all it is. It's a tough break. It's a, it's a brutal sport at, at times that I feel for Jake Rubley as far as that goes, but uh, I just kind of, it's like them's the breaks right now. Look at, look at what they have. Yeah. And, and hats off to Jake Rubley. Cause they also said like he was one of the main staples to 
I was very involved in getting every ready, even when he found out. So it's a guy that continues to be exactly what they want him to be in the locker room, um, regardless of what happens to him. So a very unselfish player and selfish dude um, that, you know, and that value is going to be immense because he's going to have a large part in Avery Johnson's, you know, early development or already had. So that, that that's a big deal. And yeah, to me, that, that that did surprise me, but mainly because of what we typically see the staff do. I thought we would see all three quarterbacks. I, I still thought we'd see Avery, but I thought we'd see Jake Rubley as well. And this kind of just tells me that they felt like it very necessary to get Avery Johnson as many reps as possible at the, at the end of the game. And then my question becomes, why, right? Why do you need to do that right now? That means I, I think that they envision Avery Johnson as the primary guy after Will Howard. I mean, John, we talked about it on the Patreon.com Three Mile Show uh, post game reaction. A, a lot of credit to guys like Jake Rubley. When Avery Johnson came here in the spring, they saw how dynamic he was. I mean, Avery was here for spring ball. They could have entered the portal at, at any point, and they chose to stick around and compete for the job. And so, a lot of credit to Jake Rubley and those guys that are still in this program, still helping a guy like Avery get ready. Um, I, I think. We all thought if there was some sort of long-term situation where, heaven forbid, something happened to Will, Avery would be the guy they went to. But I thought it, they would probably go to Jake Rubley in that situation for a series or two before Avery, just out of respect to the the veteran guy and be sensitive to that fact. But the fact that they went to to Avery tells you a lot of things. And I just I, I think from a, a quarterback room standpoint, we talked about before how it, it might be the most quarter, talented quarterback room case it's had in a long, long time. And I can't recall a situation where they've had a quarterback like Will Howard, who's as good as he is, and then a backup number two like Avery Johnson being as good as he is. The the, the top two quarterbacks on this roster are so talented. I mean, you remember L. Roberson, John, and the hype that came in with him, but remember what he looked like throwing the ball his first couple of years? I mean, he was spiking the ball into the ground. And look what Avery looked like as a true freshman 18-year-old out there just whistling the ball on a line right on the money to these guys. It's just... uh, it was special. Pretty effortless. I mean, all of it all of it looks very effortless for him. And and then that's also well, he's just outrunning dudes. So yeah, I mean, look, like I said, I could talk about it for the next hour and a half if uh if you really wanted me to. But uh as we transition here, and the defense look, the defense looked ahead of schedule, which was fantastic. They played a great game, obviously with a shutout. I am gonna steer the conversation toward the offense more here first, just because we're already kind of down that road. But I also want to mention because Cole brought it up, um, on our Patreon, you can get another hour of instant post-game reaction to all of this that, that Cole and I did right after the game. Shout out to our friends at the Blue Mont Hotel for uh, for allowing us to do that there. But patreon.com slash 3 if you want access to that. Not only that, but we had a bunch of content throughout the week. Brody's prediction, depth chart breakdown. Uh, Cole puts the stats up there that uh, that you always hear coming out on the pod and uh we have a discord community now too where you can communicate with us all of that available if you want to sign up on patreon patreon.com slash three mod just five bucks a month to do that so please uh if you have interest make sure you head over there but yes will howard deserves a lot of praise for his game he became only the seventh player in big 12 history to throw a touchdown pass rush for a td and have a receiving td in the same game and will howard did it in the first half uh, after he caught the touchdown pass from Treshawn Ward uh, toward the end of the half on the trick play. He was really good, almost three for 300 yards, had one bad throw where he's getting hit, uh, sails one, and it, it winds up being an interception. Probably a bad decision anyway, but 
overall 18 to 26, 297, two touchdowns, one pick, and then four total touchdowns if you throw in the rushing TD and the receiving TD. I mean, doing all that without Keegan Johnson, who didn't play, uh, who is going to be the number one wide receiver this year, you'd have to be pretty happy, I think, with, uh, with Howard and just the offense in general, kind of sloppily working their way to 588 total yards. Um, at least portions of it in the first half seemed to be a little bit sloppy, but they they still just rolled up and down the field. Yeah, I would call Will Howard's day pretty good. Maybe not sharp, but but pretty good. And in this ball placement was pretty on point for the most part. There was a few that got away from him. You know, I, I been discussing this a little bit with you know multiple people trying to I guess take stock and in inventory of everything that we saw on Saturday from an offensive standpoint and then from a defensive standpoint. I like to talk to you know guys that have coached you know multiple football coaches at the high school level and otherwise and and just kind of you know think about and evaluate everything that we that we did see from the good and the bad. Now I think the offensive line is a good place to start because I think that's what most people perhaps at least me that would be the most dominating position uh, going into the game just because it's you know, probably an FCS defensive front that's probably a little overmatched when you consider the, the size and physicality of the Kansas State offensive line and the amount of cohesion and chemistry that they should have based on the, the returning experience, the career starts, um, you know, having already won a conference title. I thought they would kind of come in and hit the ground running, but they but they didn't. No, they got rolling in the second half probably because of leaning on that FCS defensive line a little bit and wearing them down because the the, the tinier holes became gaping holes and DJ Giddens was running through them with with regularity and but before that they were the holes weren't as big um, especially DJ Giddens I think his first it felt like seven eight carries were the yards were hard to come by uh, Treshawn Ward was getting his interestingly enough at that point um, and I thought he had a good day a good debut and and got his feet wet even though. Um, that they were they were working everything between those two backs. I, I I thought DJ Gibbs was the guy they leaned on the most, but that was more because they're still integrating Treshawn Ward. Um, but Ben Sinnott, really good first half. Um, obviously, didn't have to play much in the second half, but the offensive line is where I thought I'd expected more. But I thought Cooper Beebe was elite. Uh, I don't think people know how great it was what he did in that game, right? Not only did he switch between guard and tackle, he switched between the left and the right side. That is unheard of for an offensive lineman to do in the same game, and I don't know that people understand the difficulty in doing that. There's a reason why it's very rare and nobody does it. Um, what he did, uh, that is special. There's a reason why he's probably the best offensive player in the Big 12 when he proved it in the season over. KT Leviston, damn good. He's all Big 12 caliber at this point. He was dominant. He was really, really good. So those two really stood out. I thought the wide receivers were probably the the funnest thing to talk about at this point because they really are I think the ones in a positive way surprised me maybe I was a little underwhelmed by the offensive line but I think I was overwhelmed by the wide receivers and in particular RJ Garcia because uh he was open a lot he was really good after the catch really good hands um yes I want to see a bigger sample size and him against maybe power five competition and see how it translates to that but there were some things that I saw that definitely will translate as me excited for what he's going to be able to do this year. It's going to be nice to see him and Keegan Johnson play on the same field together and what that looks like since we have yet to see it. Um, another one I wanted to point out is Trace Bivey. Um, there was, the, you know, the the long throw from Erie Johnson to Trace Bivey. That was a brilliant route by Trace Bivey. 
to create separation and do what he did downfield and get open for Avery Johnson. But there, there's a little bit – it wasn't a great throw by Avery. It was actually a great adjustment by Therese Bybee. So that if I wanted to like find a little carrot in, in the offensive observations, it's that Therese Bybee showed me something that maybe he can be a productive player for Kansas State this season if they want to rely on him. Well, I'm certainly hoping that's that's the way that that's tracking, man. He he is a different sort of dude. The way I mean, he just looks better coming off the bus than anything K State's had a receiver in a long time. And so seeing Avery connect with him late in the game was uh, was very very tantalizing. We get Cole's thoughts on the offense here in just a moment. If you guys are watching uh, on YouTube, you can tell that I am wearing my my home field gear today, uh, as as you all should be by this point in time. We have now hit the season. It was game one. I hope you had your home field apparel on at the game. But if not, there is still time. Uh, it is the best gear around if you are a K-State fan. Lots of old school retro logos. They're now working in the old Cat Script basketball logo, which I like. They've got the old Copper Bowl shirt from 1993 if you want to go really old school as far as that is concerned. Multiple new K-State con uh, collections have dropped within the last couple of months. So they are plenty stocked up on K-State designs. Homefieldapparel.com is where you need to go to check all that out. You can even get other teams. They've got over 100 other teams at homefieldapparel.com. But get stocked up. It is, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting the, the code here, guys. Help me out, Cole. What, 3MAW23 for 15% off? Yeah, 3MAW23. 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 If you want 15% off your first order at Homefield, if you have not gone down that road before, highly, highly encourage it. We all have a ton of Homefield gear, and that's, that's basically all I wear. Uh, these days if I'm going to uh, a K-State game. So homefieldapparel.com, make sure and get stocked up there. We'll get Cole's thoughts on the offense coming up next. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. What's good, everybody? It is Ben Heisler from Benny and the Bets here on KCSN. And if you are ready to go the distance and improve your golf game like I am in the process of doing, I want you to head on over to PXG right here in Kansas City and take the PXG Gen 6 Driver Challenge. They are confident in the Gen 6 that they're putting their money where their mouth is. If their Gen 6 Driver does not deliver more distance, more carry and roll, higher dispersion compared to your current driver when you go in for a fitting, they got you covered with a $100 MasterCard reward card. That's it. Going for a driver fitting. See if your driver is up to their driver. And if it is, you get a $100 MasterCard reward card in the process. This is an unbelievable opportunity to upgrade your game with a custom fit PXG fitting. I've had it at the Kansas City store with Alex. It was one of the great experiences I've had in a golf fitting period. So take the PXG Gen 6 driver all throughout the month of August and get ready to hit those fairways with confidence. So visit your local Kansas City store or head on over to pxg.com for all the terms and conditions. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, so there was a lot covered there by by Derek. Wide receivers, impressive offensive line, perhaps a bit underwhelming. Cole, what stood out to you most about the offense? Uh, let's start out with the offensive line because D.Y. hit on it. I mean, to, to start off, maybe more particularly in the first half, I, I thought the offensive line was a little bit underwhelming with, with so many guys returning. But they, you know, something we hadn't talked about a lot is Carver Willis at right tackle and you know, in the offseason, talking about him having to handle and man that spot and really make his first career start in place of Christian Duffy, who we've known for a while was going to miss at least probably the first couple of games due to an offseason injury. So a, a little underwhelming, you know, they still run for 228 yards and, and almost six yards per carry. But early on in that game, they, they weren't having a ton of success running it up the middle. I just assume, guys, even when you return so many guys on the offensive line, it, it just takes a little bit of time for for those guys to gel early in the year. I think back to last year and, you know, by the time Big 12 play hit, that offensive line seemed to have found their groove and, and really got things going. And I think Connor Riley and them will be just fine uh, over the ensuing next couple of weeks. They'll, they'll be much better. And it's not like they were, you know, awful by any means. I mean, they put up 588 yards of offense. I don't believe they gave up a sack. D.Y., did they give up a sack? I don't think so. Uh, they might have been bailed out a couple of times in the quarter play but yeah they, they were there were because there were a couple times a free rusher was uh coming in and actually dj giddens um he picked up one and pro football focus had dj giddens as k-state's second best pass blocker uh, um he, yeah he, he picked up pass protection i want to say three or four times yeah cooper bb was number one obviously and then dj giddens was your number two pass blocker which i mean that speaks a lot of that speaks volumes for dj and i mean 
his physicality, he's a big dude. So his ability to pick up the blitz, that, that's going to be a big factor for him as well. And I thought he did well. Cooper Beebe, I, I almost feel bad because I, I overlook Cooper Beebe because you just rely on him and, and count on him at this point. He's maybe the best offensive lineman in college football. I mean, the versatility factor too, like you said, D.Y., just to know you can count on to slide him anywhere on that offensive line and things are going to be just fine is uh, is an incredible feeling. And so he was terrific. You mentioned KT Leviston. He was terrific as well. And uh, I think he could be a guy that could be a first or second all Big 12 team tackle this year. I, I think KT Leviston is going to be drafted just like Cooper Beebe up front. The wide receiver position, guys, I, like my biggest takeaway. So first of all, it, it sucked that Keegan Johnson didn't play because he was somebody that I think we were all really looking forward to watch. But on the positive end, you got a lot of other guys more reps, and we were able to see what R.J. Garcia could be and all the offseason buzz around him. And then he leads the team with 119 yards receiving on five receptions. You, you saw a lot of things from him. And that was kind of the question, do, who's the number three receiver? We know RJ has been hyped up. Is it is it going to hit this year, him as a sophomore? And it, it sure looks like it very well might. And so if they have him, Phillip Brooks, and then Keegan being what we think Keegan can be, along with Ben Sennett, and then these running backs and Ward and Giddens, uh, the offense can be very dynamic and explosive with Will Howard at quarterback. So my takeaway was uh, we saw the dudes that we knew were going to be good, mostly do good things. And then we see what RJ does, and it just shows you have another weapon to this passing game to add into the fold. And so uh, I'm excited for it. Jaden Jackson, you know, had a couple nice catches early on the game, the 33-yard touchdown. He got some more reps. So uh, they're just building more depth at the receiver position. And Trace Spivey, John, you mentioned it. I mean, he's the the most put-together wide receiver I've seen in a K-State uniform in a long time. He certainly looks the part. And uh, that might be a guy that's tough to redshirt. Yeah, I also want to give a shout out to Xavier Lloyd. He caught a ball, um, and the way he turned up field, I'm like, man, uh, I don't think we should have because I think people like gloss over him because he's been a second unit receiver. This is the second season now. He's been on that second team of receivers. I think he might be a dude that you know, if count, had to be counted on, could do something. Yeah, you looked. At, I mean, you looked kind of explosive when he just shot up off field. He's a how big is he? Do what is he like six two? Six? Yeah, probably a little bigger. And he's one of those guys that has a scholarship paid for through yeah. NIL, so he might be. If, if it wasn't for that, he might be a regular scholarship player anyway. Blue Springs kid, I think. Okay, yeah, I mean, maybe not totally fair to him, but all I remember is just last year the Texas game when receivers were down hurt at the end of the game and Xavier Lloyd trying to play like on that last drive and just things not going very well. So I uh, unfair to him, but that had been my perception of him before for the actual game on Saturday. Um, Keegan Johnson didn't play. And to me, I mean, it's like the one thing that seemingly was missing from the offense is just a lot of really good players, but not like a home run game breaker, right? Like Deuce Vaughn is the guy that can just fake it at any second to go to the house. K-State had recruited one and had him committed in Dylan Edwards, and instead he was scoring four touchdowns for Coach Prime in Colorado uh, on Saturday, which, you know, you watch that and it's just like, man, if the offense had that, they would be borderline unstoppable. Now, maybe Keegan Johnson is going to be that. He did not play. He was not in uniform. Uh, what what insight do you have to offer there, D.Y., on what's, what's going on with Keegan? I, I, I think that's probably a fair thing to say. Now, I think they're all explosive in their own ways. Maybe not take it to the house explosive, but you had some long plays from R.J. Garcia from D.J. Giddens. But D.J. Giddens was you know nabbed by the sideline a couple times, I think caught from behind once. R.J. Garcia, there was one time I thought he could pull away and he was kind of caught. 
or, or elected to go out of bounds because he knew he was going to get caught. So I think it's fair to say maybe maybe you have a guys that can get 30, 40, 50, but maybe not a home run guy. Maybe Keegan Johnson can be that. The what the what I've been told is that's kind of was precautionary in nature. Now uh it happened once during training camp too. So you hope this is not a repetitive thing, right? So we'll see. Um Chris Clavin called him day to day. Something that flared up, not even on Wednesday. I think even on Wednesday, everything was going to play and that Keegan Johnson was going to play and there was no concerns. Like, right, he was he was at a couple of different media availabilities as well. I know we interviewed him um in Veneer on Tuesday. So this was something that was, you know, last minute that he kind of got pulled and scratched. So I don't think it's long-term or severe. They don't consider it long-term or severe. They consider it precautionary, and hopefully hopefully that, that continues to unfold in that way, and we see him against Troy. At this point, I have every expectation that he's going to play against Troy, but maybe this is something that's touch and go until it's completely behind. Certainly a big piece of this offense because he he's probably their most explosive weapon in the passing game, aside from Ben Sennett, and... Uh, is part of the reason I, I they're discounting on him. You lose Malik Gulls and Cade Warner. You need Keegan Johnson to be that big play wide receiver in addition to some of the other guys they have. D.Y., you mentioned they had eight plays of over 20 yards in this game. Seven were through the air. Six came from the uh, the arm of Will Howard. So there were some explosive plays, especially in the passing game. And R.J. Uh, had several of those. And then Ben Sennett had uh, a couple as well. So, yeah, hopefully Keegan Johnson gets back uh, sooner than later. And... If they need to hold him out of the Troy game, I, I think they'll be okay, honestly, not to overlook Troy too much because I think they do obviously present a different challenge than what SEMO presented. Uh, Sunbelt champs coming in, a team that was ranked top 20 at the end of last year in the final AP poll, but just make sure he's ready by Mizzou and uh, good to go by then. And uh, then I, I just can't wait to see him play. I don't know if I want Mizzou to be his first game. That's the only thing. I, I, exa- I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, I would read it. They only last year. Yeah, that's a lot of rust to knock off. So, would really prefer him get out there and have a game to shake some stuff off against Troy. Uh, I, I would feel a little uneasy about that going to Mizzou now. I mean, look what we saw on the field already on Saturday. Anyway, without Keegan Johnson, may well be enough to to beat Mizzou. Um, should be enough to beat Mizzou, I would say. But yeah, you'd love to have the extra insurance there. I don't know. I didn't watch. Uh, I didn't watch a second of Mizzou's game. They beat South Dakota, right? South Dakota. Seemed like okay. They took care of business. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know who didn't take care of business? Troy. They struggled with Stephen F. Austin. Gave up a lot of points. That's a team where you thought they were going to be a defensive team. They scored a lot and gave up a lot. You know what was weird about that, D.Y.? I was looking at the box score. They only gave up 240 yards uh, and like four yards per play. But there was a fumble return for a touchdown by Stephen F. Austin and uh, some other wacky things that happened. So, but but still, I mean, you would expect them not to give up thirty. Now twenty three were on the defense to a Stephen F. Austin team. They won that game forty eight to thirty. But yeah, we'll we'll dive more into Troy on the uh, the pregame show that drops later this week. Uh, they'll they'll certainly present a test. That did enforce my opinion that they're overrated this year, though. <laughs> okay, well. Great to, to have that leading into a uh, Troy week. Give them some bulletin board material. So, you know, thank you, D.Y., for that. Hey, we did that all year. We won a Big 12 title. They're going to have D.Y.'s face plastered. They're going to have D.Y.'s face plastered around the locker room with that quote clipped to it. Hey, let, I just the other day I was at the gym and walked up to a guy who was wearing a Tulane football shirt, D.Y., okay? So let me just let me just float that out there as a, as a nice little reminder. Did your PTSD flare up? A little bit, yeah. It was not great. That was not great. 
Uh, you know what is great, though? Those are our friends at DraftKings. Uh, can you believe we've had seven months without an NFL game? Uh, but the wait is over. Uh, fortunately, the wait is not over for Chris Jones, but the wait is over for NFL football. It's here. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $250 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just $5 on any NFL game. DraftKings hooking everyone up with game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check the app to see what you get. Download now and use code KCSN to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting 5 bucks. That's code KCSN only on DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOP-E-N-Y or text, oh, HOPE-N-Y, <laughs> HOPE-N-Y or text HOPE-N-Y. In Connecticut, help is available for uh, problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility. Terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Please get me to a break. We are back next. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. All right, a lot of talk about the offense. The defense, I think we all felt like, was ahead of schedule. I did not anticipate a shutout at all. We were sitting here on the preview pod kind of cautioning you, like, hey, if the defense gives up some long pass plays here, if the secondary is getting things worked out, if the pass rush isn't going to be there, don't be too alarmed if you give up 20 points in this season opener to SEMO. Instead, they give up zero, Zippo. And I thought they really controlled the line of scrimmage on the defensive side of the ball. My biggest concern about the defense was the defensive line. And not only did Uso get in and play a little bit limited, I saw it was like 11 snaps. Um, so, you know, they were healthy-ish there. But, you know, it, your, your number two and number three nose tackles seemed to play really good up front. Like, it just, there was a lot that that I felt very positive about on the defensive side of the ball. It makes me feel real good about where they're at. And I think you hit on the, <clears throat> excuse me, I think you hit on the right notes, too. It's the defensive line. I thought Khalid Duke really got it for the quarterback when they brought in Toby and Zami. They basically... I think he played the linebacker spot, but it was like a defensive end because all they did was tell him to go be a heat-seeking missile after the quarterback, and that's what he did. Um, the interior of the defensive line was very disruptive. I thought that was probably the brightest spot on the defensive line. Javon Banks really blew me away just by his athleticism and kind of twitch off the snap. He really got off the ball fast. Uh, I wasn't expecting that. Dingy Nila Leo, he basically wrecked their uh, Seamus' entire offensive line for the entire first quarter. Um, I know John saw that a lot at Manhattan High, so he was probably not shocked by that, but that kid can play. And having him as probably your number two nose guard, I think people are, and maybe myself included, are under underrating the interior of the defensive line just because they lost Eli Huggins. You know, that's I, I, I've been trying to tell everybody for a long time. I know you see Manhattan High, and you think Centennial League football, and yeah, you know, whatever. Like that, was, that dude can play. That dude can absolutely play. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, I think he's got stud ring all over him. Maybe a little undersized for this scheme in particular, but he's going to find a way. Um, probably would be more comfortable in a four-three, but he's going to be—he's going to find a way. And I think you saw that at least the the beginning signs of that uh, against Simo on Saturday. The linebackers, you know, they were as good as advertised. 
I don't think I was completely like, oh my gosh, but um, they did everything that you would have expected in week one. Uh, maybe the only one was just like, you know, really gets me, got really got me raring to go was probably Austin Moore. Um, he has all been 12 written all over him this year. I'd be, um, unless, unless people are going to overlook him uh, and, and, screw him at the end of the year. I think he's got all big 12 friend all over him. Uh, he's, he might be the best player on the Kansas state defense. And, and that's saying something because they got some dudes, obviously. Um, Easton Newsome flashed a little bit, I thought, and it's clear that he's not just uh, a garbage time player. Uh, they had him in meaningful moments pretty quickly. So the same with Austin remain actually. And I thought that of the two, I like both of them, but of the two, Austin remain might've had the better game. So, I think you got some freshman linebackers that are really primed and ready to go as well, uh, if not now, pretty soon. And the back end of the defense is probably where I was maybe a little concerned more than the defensive line and like Kurtz, or at least have more questions just because they had a, a lot less starts. Um, the defensive ends obviously had a little bit of experience in the back end of the defense. You just don't have a bunch to cling on to at all besides Kobe Savage and four starts last year from BJ Payne. But I, I think the guy that really surprised me was Colby McAllister. Uh, he started because Marquis Siegel was suspended, and I thought he was the best safety of the three starters. So I thought that was an interesting observation that I was able to make. He played really fast. He, I think, caused two different offensive holding penalties just because he played through it and basically forced the referee to call it because of how much he fought to get to the ball. Really like that. Jacob Parrish had a lot of splash plays. Out of everyone on the defense, besides maybe Toby blowing up a blocker here and there, I thought the most splash plays was by Jacob Parrish. He, little, he had a couple rough uh, rough plays in zone coverage where he maybe didn't get the right amount of depth and he, and he had first down throws on third and long that got through. But other than that, I thought Jacob Parrish had a really good ball game and gave uh, fans and people like us a lot to be excited about in the future. Austin Moore, three tackles for loss, pro football focus, graded him as K-State's highest graded defensive player. The other thing about him, D.Y., is I think he was K-State's second highest uh, coverage player, which he's tremendous. Uh, also picking up guys out of the backfield in the passing game and dropping into coverage as well. So can't say enough good things about Austin Moore. Interestingly enough, Daniel Green and Desmond Purnell finished the game with zero tackles. Uh, two of your other starting linebackers and the defense still was stellar. And I don't look too much at the tackling numbers anyways when looking at that. But at the nose tackle position, guys, I think that was one of the most comforting things of what we saw in the game. I mean, Uso, obviously a stud. John, you mentioned he played 11 snaps, and he'll play more as he continues to to get recovered and get back into shape from the injury. One of the things that really impresses me about Uso, D.Y., is not only him bowling through the, uh, the offensive line and, and just dominating, but also he's a guy that flies around on the football field. There were two different times I watched him 10, 15 yards down the field chasing after a play and just hustling and going down there and getting a guy. I mean, you don't see a guy at 330-plus pounds moving the way that he does and his ability, you know, just the, the hustle factor, wow factor. And the nose tackle position, they were going up against the Remington Award winner in the FCS level for top center and Zach Guy for SEMO. And they dominated the interior of that line. This was a SEMO offense that we talked about it before. They came in to the game ranked number two in the country last year at the FCS at 6.1 yards per rush, averaged 226 yards per game. Last year, had a two-time All-American at running back in Geno Hess, who had 4,100 career rushing yards, was second in the FCS last year with 1,700 yards on the ground, 7.2 yards per carry. He finished the game with negative rushing yards, negative four yards. At halftime of the game, SEMO as a team had negative 12 
rushing yards, and they finish with six. It was the fewest rushing yards by a K-State opponent since, look back to this game, 62-14 to 14 dominating win over Texas A&M and Manhattan in 2009. So, man, I remember being on the front row of the student section telling, uh, what was the, what was the court? Oh, it was Gerard Johnson. I was yeah. telling Gerard Johnson that he was diet Jamarcus Russell. <laughs> yeah. Yelled out I, at him all game long, baby. I always thought Gerard Johnson looked like the part that would be a stud, but uh, it never really necessarily panned out for him in Texas A&M. So yeah, the, the run defense was tremendous. That was a SEMO offense last year, averaged 36 points per game top 20 in the country and uh, k-state just completely dominated and shut them down they played 12 out of out of their top 26 players that played on the defensive side of the football 12 were sophomores or younger yeah that speaks volumes to the depth and the future ceiling of this program you know so many freshmen played on that defense as well a lot of true freshmen as well and dy my takeaway with with you is is jacob Parrish. i mean for a guy that's five foot ten we know he has elite speed and athleticism but for him to show the physicality that he did out there at his size, that that really blew me away. And then Will Lee, they didn't test him much. And keep in mind, Ryan Flournoy, their receiver, and you mentioned it, D.Y., and, and I had to look it up after you mentioned it. He was on Bruce Feldman's all-freaks list for uh, one of the top athletes in college football. Uh, had almost 1,000 yards receiving last year. And, you know, his shuttle times and some of his cone drills and all of that would have been in the top 10, 15 of the NFL Combine last year um, in terms of numbers put up that, that he tested out at. So an elite wide receiver they had that K-State was covering, Demoria Vick, another big wide receiver they had returning. They returned some of their best players on the offensive side of the football. And SEMO as a team returned five All-Americans, which was the most second most nationally in the FCS level. So these, this wasn't a scrub-like offense that K-State just dominated, and the secondary was was nails. I mean, you just feel a lot better about, about this group. And without Siegel... You know, who, who's a guy that Chris Kleiman told you and John at Big 12 Media Days could be the next NFL player out of the transfer guys and the D-backs. To do it without him and see what Colby McAllister did as a redshirt freshman just helps you build even more depth as you go along this season. Is there any reason to be concerned about the Marquise Siegel thing, D.Y.? Well, it caught me off guard, and it was only for one game. Graham Kleiman said he would be back in his starting role next week, so I'm going to... Let bygones be bygones here and be cool with it. Okay. Um, fair enough. Any other any other thoughts on on the defense that we're missing here? I mean, I guess I will point this out. Uh, Khalid Duke, I thought, looked really good um, being back in like a pure pass rushing role. He had the one like wow moment with the spin move that was reminiscent of the one that he had in the, the Stanford game a couple of years ago that he got through clean for a sack. But even a couple of the others, he – when Damian Eli Leo, for instance, had had his sack, it looked like Duke had beaten his guy at the edge and kind of pushed the quarterback inside. Like he was, he was doing a lot of stuff like that that wasn't necessarily showing up in the in the box score, so to speak. But I thought he looked really good, which is highly encouraging because they're they're going to absolutely need it. I would tend to agree. I'm just uh, kind of that's a good observation. I just thought of a few other things in the backup linebacker rules. I think. What you expect Toby Osinsami to be one. Jake Clifton's going to be there. Uh, I thought Asa Newsome and Austin Romain looked like they were meaningful players, and maybe that second unit. The reason why I'm kind of going over this is what I would share is that, that Jake Clifton did get dinged up in the first half, went to the locker room, didn't come back into the game. I think he's going to miss a few contests, so we'll probably get a better idea of what else they have in the second unit at linebacker because 
when push comes to shove, and this is nothing again, and I might be wrong, don't get me wrong, because we're talking about a really good athlete in Tobias and Sami, Asa Newsom and Austin Romain, really two freshmen that they like a lot. Terry Kirksey didn't get in until really late in the game. I think he's kind of been behind eight ball because he might have been going through some injuries at one point during training camp. But push comes to shove. I wonder if Jake Clifton is at the backup technically at all three spots. I think they like him that much. There's a reason why he knows all three spots. So uh, might be a sneaky injury that we might have to keep an eye on going forward. And you mentioned the spin moves by Khalid Duke, and, and that kind of made me think about, I think DJ Giddens had like 10 spin moves in the season opener. Like he kept going back to that well. Yeah, you know, uh, with the uh, it just makes Daniel Green all the more important, D.Y., because otherwise you're going to a true freshman now in Austin Romaine, who who looked good. By all, but but you, you don't really have to rely a ton of snaps on a true freshman at the middle linebacker position, which is kind of the captain of the defense. And you mentioned, I mean, Jake Clifton is your most versatile linebacker and flies all over that football field. So it will be a significant loss for the few games. Sounds like it's not season ending by any means. So you should get him back and, and hopefully have him back after maybe the bye week at some point. So, uh, yeah, and, and I think D.Y., to your point, so Toby Osinsomni, he uh, – he graded out as K-State's best pass rusher, according to Pro Football Focus, although he didn't actually get a get a sack in that game. It, it was impressive to watch him just bowl right through, guys. Uh, you know, he, he, he showed how powerful he could be. I would just say, like, when I look at some of these dudes that, they, that were out there playing, you know, like, you look at Toby and you look at Asa Newsom, like, the length and athleticism that some of these guys have and the speed that... It's, it's just different. And you look at a Chidi Obiezor and a Trace Bybee on the offensive side of the football. Some of these freshmen don't look like freshmen physically that we're used to seeing, or true freshmen especially. So it shows how how good this recruiting class was that K-State brought in. And uh, some of these dudes certainly look the part and are out there playing meaningful snaps. 11 true freshmen played on Saturday. 11. Um, Jack Fabris was another, and he actually looked really yeah, good. Shout out Jack Fabris, man. He looked good. Yeah, Jai Fabris looked really good. I, I know we we have some people that have shared that they the the comp for him is actually at least down the line, maybe not today, but maybe down the line is Ty Zimmerman. I think we've heard those comparisons. So Jack Fabris looks like a dude, at least a dude in a year or two, um, if not now. So I think that's another. And Tobio Sinsami, you, you brought him up. He's exactly what the coaches have said he is. He's a guy right now where he is completely explosive kind of a monster physically and really really fast and they just tell him see ball go get ball so i, I thought i thought nate malak had a nice game too dy uh, he had two tackles for loss that that play he made where he picked up the screen that they were trying to run and uh, almost made a travis hunter-esque play that's what john uh, I, I, no, I mean it was just the full extension like that travis hunter one down down toward the goal line yeah he, he ran that uh he ran that route better than the running back i think so he, he knew the play you could tell like that was a pre-snap read. It must have been something that he caught in film because at no point did he like get yep. duped into what they were trying to dupe him into. He went exactly where the ball went as soon as the snap. That, that was my reaction. That's what I said right after the play, D.Y. I said, that's a guy that was in the film room that was prepared and knew exactly what they were doing in that situation and, and made a heck of a play and showed his length and some of his athleticism. So a nice game from Matt Lack as well. Khalid Duke, as John already mentioned. I mean, looks like a stud out there and I'd be honestly surprised if he doesn't finish with double-digit sacks this year as long as he stays healthy. I think he has that potential. He got one, right? I think he got one. one. Yeah. Yep. One. Yeah. So I think overall, like if you wanted to kind of summarize this game, outside of the obvious, like the the ones took care of business, this game was like a 
a coronation of all of us who have been saying like, hey, the, the program depth is better than it has been in a very long time at K-State right now. Like the, the depth of talent that they have right now, completely different than what it was even two to three years ago. That's what we got to see uh, against SEMO. Like all of that is legit. We don't, you know, I know at times people have been like, you know, sometimes the coaching staff, they love to talk up their guys. And we got Will Howard as the best backup quarterback in the country for like two years before he did finally break through and look like that may have been true. So I know sometimes people might take that stuff with a grain of salt from Climate and Company, but I mean they're like they're right. Like they they, they have much more talent and athleticism in this program than has existed in. I mean I don't even know because I mean I guess you say back to like 2012, Cole, but like I I don't know how good was the depth back then. They had a really nice front line and a lot of superstars like Colin and Arthur Brown, but I don't know. When you're just talking about like they're rolling out waves of guys that just look different look better than anything that's been there in a long time i don't know when i mean you're then you're going back to like snyder 1.0 you know yeah. that, that they, they they and and obviously this is your guys wheelhouse and and their stars back then were a little bit more experienced and seasoned than perhaps the ones they can say has this year so that's probably the difference right now between 12 and 23 yeah i mean as i look at the 2012 team john i look at a ty zimmerman going down and and they had to flip to a true freshman in Dante Barnett, who ended up being a really good player. So that's that's just an example. They might not have had maybe the depth, the upfront talent first string was certainly awesome and uh, a great team. So yeah, I, I think that's a great point. There's tremendous depth that they built on this football team and it's a bright future for the program. We didn't even mention it, guys, but I, I, I just felt like this game was uh, everything that you wanted to see happened for the most part in this game. And you got to see Chris Tennant bang through a 51-yard field goal, which I think is significant just for his confidence. And we talked about it on the Patreon postgame show, John, but that was into the win. I mean, he, he boomed a 51-yarder into about a 10 to 11-mile-per-hour south wind and had plenty of leg on it. Yeah, I had like seven yards to spare. Too. Yeah. And, and I'll say this. is like that. It was great to see. And like you said, huge for confidence. But I will say that the le- length is not even on – he's made those before too. So he still has a little bit more – maybe to prove and to put behind him from an all-encompassing standpoint, but obviously you'd love him to make his first one instead of miss it. So it's a good stuff. Length, the leg is not a problem for Chris Tennant. We know he's got one of the strongest legs ever to play at K-State as a kicker. And heck, I think back, his accuracy percentage on 50-plus might be better than honestly within because you think like the Texas game in 2021 at Texas, he banged through like a 52-yarder in Austin uh, when he had to go on the field in that game. And so, yeah, he's he's got a big-time leg. It, you do want to see him bank through some 35, 40-yard-type range ones, and but but his confidence has to be in a good place going yeah. into the rest of the season. The, the first kickoff almost went into the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it was right there on the doorstep of doing that, so it kind of gives you an idea of what his range is. Here's a question. Before, and obviously there's a lot that goes into this, so there's multiple layers here. Does he finish his career with a field goal make of 60 or more yards at some point? Because that's on the table, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I, I feel like they'd be confident enough to roll him out there to try it. Yeah. Little, little Martin Gramatica. What was Gramatica? Did he hit 65? 65. Yeah, 65. Uh, called the t- Bill, Bill called the timeout so they could get it. What, what did that put him up by? Like, it's like 50. 58 to... <laughs> seven at halftime. <laughs> That's awesome. Like the, that even more is like the the size discrepancy between those two couldn't be more robust. Uh, 
that, that is for sure. Uh, Tenet, yeah. Tenet, yeah, he's a he's a good looking Chris specimen. Tenet, yeah, Chris Tennant, if kicking doesn't work out, he can just put him at defensive end. I think. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let me let me contextualize all this to kind of wrap it up. Place it against the backdrop of what was a it was an objectively bad week for the Big Twelve. I mean, not good, especially in the the state of Texas. Uh, TCU losing to Colorado, Texas Tech losing at Wyoming, Baylor loses to Texas State. Like it, it was not very good. Oklahoma State won, I think, by fourteen over Central Arkansas, but did not look good. Had to play three quarterbacks. Alan Bowman attempted like twenty passes for eighty yards. I mean, I not good in in Stillwater. BYU won fourteen to nothing over Sam Houston. Like I, there were some there were some ugly results uh, for Week One of the Big Twelve. Even you know Texas for all the hype with Texas they they were farting around with Rice quite a bit they they did not look particularly impressive and there are now Texas fans still fighting about Quinn Ewers if only somebody would have told them that Quinn Ewers is not really that good um, and so all of that placed against K State's performance here I think you you have to feel pretty good I know it was Semo and it's just a game that you should take care of business but a lot of teams across the league had had a hard time taking care of business the way that K State did. Absolutely, and yeah, and it makes you feel probably better about where Kansas State can compete in the Big 12. If you had some doubts about whether or not they could get to the top of the mountain, I think uh, the path is there, um, at least from an athletic st- or talent standpoint and an ability standpoint compared to the rest of the league. I will say as a proponent of the Big 12, we will start claiming Colorado and Utah now to kind of make the picture look not as gloom and doom. It doesn't change. Oh, go ahead, John. Here's the front. So here's the problem, though, Dy. Colorado is 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 Dion going to coach a game in the Big Twelve? I don't because know. like well, Florida Florida is probably working on Billy Napier's buyout right now to get him out of there to hire Dion. Like I just I don't I don't know that he's even going to make it there. Sorry, Paul. No, and it's interesting because Dion was asked about his alma mater the other day in a press conference, oh, and he wouldn't. Goal. Yeah, he said he wasn't a Seminole, so like going to Florida might not be a problem for him. He he was like saying he graduated from an HBCU so that he did. He, and he did he was very strong in that defense and upset some Florida State fans but he was speaking the truth he's obviously very proud of that and he should be and so yeah I mean that's that was my thought too John I mean Colorado is clearly ahead where we thought I think I mean we said on this pod that TCU we thought was probably a fraud this year and overranked I mean we go back two weeks guys we we talked great that yeah <laughs> yeah uh and so now I thought TCU would still possibly come in seven and zero because their schedule was so weak, but they they lose as a twenty one point favorite at home. Uh, you know, too bad TCU. Loved seeing that prep boy uh, tweet that you sent uh, Dy of them taunting Travis Hunter before the game, and then the great shot of them after uh, the interception that Hunter made right in front of him. Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, one, one more point I'll make on that. Uh, I think Colorado's clearly. I uh, mean, me and Cole are going to have to eat our words on Colorado. Yeah. Now I'm not going to jump. All the way to Colorado being a Pac-12 title contender like Kurtz and maybe some others will, but oh, I don't think that they're. I don't think that yeah. they're that. <laughs> but uh, no, but I think they're they're definitely way out of schedule or more competitive than I ever gave them credit to be. I also think TCU's even might be even more of a dumpster than I gave them credit for. And three, last one, Kurtz, you you were just one year ahead of your time, man, when you picked Colorado last year. Yeah, man, we should have had you go back. I mean, you hit easily on the Oregon State. Pick though yesterday, uh, John. That that was a DJ. You was slinging it, man. He yeah, was, I'm not surprised. A fresh start for a former five star quarterback. Uh, Oregon State is going to be dangerous in that Pac-12, and 
Uh, you went 1-0 on your picks, and D.Y. and I both lost. Our secondary picks we gave all of you guys for our locks of the week hit, but uh, unfortunately, Penn State decided to score a touchdown with six seconds left to blow my West Virginia cover, so thanks to James Franklin for uh, for that. Hey, I'll just say, guys, on the front of you know the Big 12 schedule, and I, I think K-State's toughest home game is UCF. If I agree. It, might, it might be, because Oklahoma State kind of uh, contributed to the opinion that they might not be all that. TCU, um, people are, are hyped for that game, but I'm not sure they're that good. So, no, I totally agree. Where, <laughs> excuse me, where I aired on was taking the Texas State Baylor under. And unlike Cole, who barely missed his, I kind of did the Kurtz thing from last year where I missed it by like 40 or 50 points. So well, I thought, who thought Texas State was going to put up 42 on Dave Aranda, who at one point looked like he was going to have the best defense year in, out, year in and year out in the Big 12, and now uh, the star has uh, the star is not shining nearly as bright anymore. On it's not going to be on the hot seat after this year, even if this continues, uh, but next year might get a little warm. I don't know. I I feel like that seat would be fairly warm next year. Yeah, if if yeah. they if they have a, a like sub five hundred or like about what they did last year again. Texas State was supposed to go two and ten. Well, again, Texas State is another test of the Dion thing. They had like fifty transfers in. Uh, they had almost as many as as Colorado did. So the incarnate word guy. Yep. Yeah, I mean that's going to be it's going to start fueling narratives about how you can flip rosters here with the success that that uh, some of those guys are. Are having I don't you know, I just I still I can't get over I know people aren't gonna love me talking about this but it just Dylan Edwards looks so damn good man I mean Dylan Edwards looked awesome <laughs> I I and Dy I heard him do his post game interview like he does the post game interview on the field and you know there's all this talk about you know I know his recruitment was it was exhausting um, but by you know he did an interview he sounded very sharp and like team guy he did it was not like me 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 it was very like team. I just think there's a lot more substance to what Colorado's doing than anybody gave Dion and company credit for just because there is. No, there definitely is. And but they're gonna do it with a lot of flash and talk too. And that's okay. I don't think that here's something I get trapped into doing. There's not a right and a wrong way to do something if it brings you success and your team is bought in. So you can Maybe the way Dion does it is not your thing. It's probably not mine. But if his team buys into it and it's successful, then there's nothing wrong with it either. I mean, he did a halftime interview where he said the Heisman's chilling at Travis Hunter's crib. Well, he said it should have been, but they missed him <laughs> on two deep balls. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I mean, that'll be the other thing with Colorado. I don't, I don't think you can play Travis Hunter 119 snaps every single week. Um, that's, that's probably going to wear him down. But, yeah, anyway. It was impressive. We'll, we'll have to to beat Nebraska. There's there's going to be a there's going to be some demands for some more NIL money coming from a, a freshman running back here, probably at uh, Colorado after this uh, this game. So and probably deserve it if he uh, goes through the rest of the season the way that he does. So um, he looked dynamic. And you're right, John. I mean, if they had Dylan Edwards at Kansas State, this offense would be borderline unstoppable. I don't know if they have Trayshawn Ward then because they got Treshawn Ward later in the transfer portal process. Who knows how that works out, but uh, yeah, Dylan Edwards definitely looked the part. Colorado-Nebraska is now a little bit more intriguing just for the fact that I want to see how much Colorado wins by. I don't know. Do you think that I could totally see them choke that game now? Oh, that's a, yeah, it's a total letdown spot. Yeah, they could 1,000%. Because how many times have we seen these like... We're saying choke? Like, that's what Nebraska does. 
we we've seen these like Labor Day performances before that have just gone for not UCLA and Texas A&M played like a crazy game a couple of years ago. That didn't matter. Texas and Notre Dame, the Texas is back game from a handful of years ago. That happened on Labor Day weekend. Like we we very well could still look back on that and be like, okay, well, TCU and Colorado were both like six and six teams. You know, I mean, I think that's still there, which means that they could absolutely lose to Nebraska. No, but I just, I mean, I don't know, you know, how, I'm not, I'm not trying to hate on Colorado, but I'm just saying if, if we're, and, and Nebraska does play some pretty good defense. Maybe, but they don't have a quarterback. They don't, they don't, but against the Colorado defense, the best thing may just be to run Sims a hundred times and just see how that goes. Try to control so, the clock. Bring back the uh, triple option to Nebraska for a game. I saw some, what was it, Fernelli? I don't know. One of the major college football guys this after Nebraska lost on Thursday was like, I'm, I'm going to say it again. Nebraska should just go back. Maybe it's Max Olsen. So Nebraska should just go back to, to running like to triple options, just become a triple option school at this point. So that's congratulations to Nebraska football. That's that's where you're at these days. I, I just love that we managed to make this an hour once again. John was trying to wrap this thing up at like 42, 43 minutes, and then we stretched it. Yeah, now we're talking about Colorado and Nebraska. <laughs> I wasn't trying to totally wrap up everything. I was talking about special teams next, but uh, oh, know, my bad. I'm sorry. And it bad, but no, we're fine. We're fine. We're good. Uh, appreciate the help of uh, our sponsors as always. Holiday Distillery, get your 360 vodka, your Ben Holiday bottled in Bond Bourbon, uh, and Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com, three mod twenty three to get fifteen percent off your first order. So make sure you go check them out and support them. And hit up the Patreon page, patreon.com slash 3 if you want more content. I mean, we're dropping content almost every single day right now on the uh, on the Patreon page, so you can get all sorts of it, including much more. If you want more of this, Cole and I talked for an hour after the game uh, about what was going on there in a live chat. So if you become a Patreon member, you can have access to live chats after the game and actually interact with us and ask the questions that we uh, discuss on those. So patreon.com slash 3 in order to do that. Uh, thanks to Nick Springer behind the scenes for Derek Young and Cole Manbeck. I'm John Kurtz. We appreciate you listening to another free mod. Take care. And we will talk to you later this week with a little Troy preview. See ya. Thank you for listening to KC sports network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review. If you like what you heard, you can find all six of our channels covering the chiefs, Royals, sporting KC and the KC current plus KU. K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off.
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.